When you hear the phrase soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. I'm really glad to welcome Coach Jim Johnson to the Soft to Steel podcast. Jim has over 30 years of experience in developing winning high school basketball teams, including 428 career victories. On February 15, 2006, Coach Johnson made the kind-hearted gesture of inserting his autistic manager, Jason McElwain, known to the world as JMAC, into Greece Athena High School's final home game, which they won 79-43. JMAC scored 20 points in just over four minutes, including six three-point baskets to become an instant national celebrity. To make the Hollywood ending complete, Greece Athena captured the first Section 5 title of Coach Johnson's career, a few weeks later. Coach Johnson has rolled his accomplishments and experiences into two speaking presentations, one entitled Dreams Really Do Come True, and another entitled Leadership Lessons from Half Court. Jim knows a lot about love, inclusion, social justice, and of course, leadership. He brought his background, life experiences, and wisdom to the softest steel stomach this past February and was a wonderful part of that experience. Jim, welcome to the Softest Steel podcast. Thank you, Dennis. Looking forward to uh, sharing some thoughts with you today. It's good to catch up again. It is. I chose the introduction to mention something that has been part of how you have followed your calling to talk about leadership and other related topics, including one of the things I noticed in some of what I read off on your website was you mentioned uh, as one of your topical areas in your workshops, inclusion. And as you know, uh, you know, having been part of the, the Soft to Steel Summit, we talked in roundtables. It was, it was four conversations. One was about love. Another was about inclusion. Another about social justice and about leadership. I still occasionally will, will watch portions of that and be reminded of how incredible all of you uh, were in that four-hour event. Um, so I wanted to start with you. And again, this is a conversation. It's not an interview. I didn't prepare questions per se. So we'll see where it goes. I know that the end will be a joyful experience to share with our audience. So I want to start with you by asking you this question. If you look back on your career uh, as a coach and then the transition you made after retirement uh, into carrying messages to audiences across the country and perhaps around the world. I don't know if you traveled overseas, but certainly I'm sure you got up to Canada for sure. So when you, when you look at that transition, what were the qualities of leaders uh, that you wanted to, to begin talking about as soon as you had the audience to share your perspectives? What were the qualities you wanted to talk about? Leadership is such a huge topic, and it's something that I've studied passionately for many, many years because I was a basketball coach that was trying to figure out how to build successful teams, and it starts with a leader, right? And so the one thing I've learned about leadership is, although that there are different skill sets per se uh, in business as opposed to coaching a basketball team, there's a lot of fundamentals that are the same. So let's uh, let's um, talk about those. First one is 
I talk about getting clarity of your vision or, or your mission in life. So I think, you know, I've said this, I've heard this a lot of times. I think there's a lot of truth to it is that the first person you got to lead is yourself. So if you're leading yourself, well, I really believe you got to have clarity to answer this question. Why were you put on this earth? And once you get clarity, I, I really push people in my presentations to discover their own personal mission statement and actually put it in writing. So I, I think that's where it all starts, because when I got that clarity about who I was and what I stood for, it helped me immensely become a better leader. Then what, the other thing that I think is hugely important is that there's a different mindset from a, someone that's leading themselves and maybe a great individual contributor, someone that might be a great salesperson, for example, but then all of a sudden that salesperson in part of their industry to get a promotion now becomes the sales manager, which I often kids, for some of them, they become the sales mangler because there's a different mindset when you are leading yourself as opposed to trying to lead others. And so as I go through that, I think the hugely important thing is that you develop a mindset what we call a we over me, that the leader has to know when you're leading a team, you got to be thinking of the team first and building those relationships. And to me, one of the huge things is the ability to build trust. And building trust is such a significant piece of building a successful team. And one of the things I challenge people when when I'm doing my presentations about leadership is that, you know, I'll ask a question as simple as, how many believe it is important to have trust in building a successful team? And pretty much 100%. Every, you know, trust is really important. But then I'll kind of puzzle them with my next question. When I say, how many of you actually have an intentional plan how, how you're going to build trust with your team? And that's where I go into is that, you know, I took over four programs in my coaching career as a head coach. The first one was a disaster and had a lot to do with it because I was arrogant. I I really didn't know about that transition from leading me, uh, even though I wasn't leading me that well, and, and then leading a team. But the other three times I got a chance to take over programs that weren't doing too well, I, we, significantly we're able to change the culture and and have a lot of success on the court and off the court. So I'm building trust. Uh, I'll finish my statement for now is that I think there, you really have to have clarity of how you're going to build trust. And for us, it was a three prong attack. Number one is as a leader, you have to align your actions and your words consistently. There's nothing that hurts trust more when you're a leader and you say something and you do the complete opposite. We just went through a tough time, you know, and we're still in it to a certain degree with COVID. You know, somebody as a leader gets up and say, you know, we got to be really careful and, you know, wear a mask when we're going through that. And then they don't wear a mask. What message have they sent their people? Uh, And it's going to be a huge breakdown of trust. The second piece that we focused on is we wanted to focus on telling each other the truth. And that was really important. And then the third thing, because I mentioned we took over programs that had been losing, is when you take over you to build trust with your people, I think you got to do the famous Ken Blanchard. I, I use this from the One Minute Manager and it stuck me, with me for my whole career. And that is to catch people doing the right thing. And, and not only catch them doing the right thing, 
but praise them specifically. And this is what I mean by that, Dennis. Instead of saying, nice job, Johnny, because everybody likes a compliment, but Johnny doesn't really get any clarity of why he got a compliment. But if I say, hey, Johnny, that was awesome how you dove on the floor for that loose ball. That's what championship players do for championship teams. Now he has some real clarity of why he was praised, which I think is so important when catching people doing the right thing. You just, uh, I think we're done. <laughs> we're pretty much done. That was good. Um, no, I, again, it, it, it's not the least bit surprising, but uh, your thought processes, the words you choose and how you describe leadership all align perfectly with what you already know is my view of it. That's probably one of the reasons why we ended up uh, connecting at some point in time and then you joined our, our summit is that we, uh, we have great alignment in terms of our perspectives on what, what what's important about leadership. So, your, your career was all built on, on working with young people, young or younger people in the world of sports, competitive sports. Right. Can you imagine with us uh, what of your thoughts about leadership, how much of that applies to other endeavors like the construction business? I, I think there's still a lot of similarities, Dennis. You know, um, I mean, there's certainly differences because, you know, dealing with adults as opposed to dealing with younger, in my case, it was high school students. There are some differences, but the basic fundamentals of leadership are still the same. You know, whether they're 16 years old or 35 years old, you got to build relationships and they better believe that you care about them more as a person than you do, you know, in my case, as a basketball player or in your case, being a construction worker that worked on your team. So I I think uh, those things, building those relationships, no matter the age of the people, is extremely important. So, you know, and then I think the huge thing is is getting everybody to buy into the vision and the mission, okay? So, you know, I talked about personal mission statement, but how about the team or business mission statement? And where I found there was a real weakness, I found a lot of, you know, I speak to a decent amount of businesses as well as, you know, I speak at schools and that kind of thing. And, you know, I most all the schools, most all the businesses have a mission statement. But sometimes I'll tease them a little bit and say, so tell me about your mission statement. And somebody will look at it like, uh, okay, where is it? <laughs> they have no idea what it is. So and what I always tell leaders is you got to be the chief reminding officer about the vision, the mission. And what that means is you got to be consistently living the mission and consistently communicate the mission. For example, in our mission for our program was we wanted to develop winners on and off the court. Now, my job is I, first of all, have to share clarity with my players. What does it take to win on the court? Obviously, winning the game is part of that. But also for us, that was being a great teammate. That was being able to handle adversity and overcome obstacles off the court. Now, so you being the best student you could be, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a straight A student, but do the best you can do. And then also being a great community member, someone that people are respect and count on you, that you're going to serve the community in a positive way. So those are the things we were trying to build in our program, because I, I always believe that there's got to be a bigger mission than just winning games or just gaining profit. Although both of those are important. You know, as a coach, you want to win games. And as a business leader, you want to have profit or you don't have a business in very long. And if you're a coach, if you don't win many games, you're not going to be a coach very long either. Uh, but at the same time, when you have that bigger mission um, and you can get people to buy into it, 
that's what happens is that you do get the response and the results of winning games and, and having profit for your business. But it, it's got to be bigger than that. You coach for, for 30 years. So the, the young people you were coaching 25 years ago are now, what, in their 40s. So they're from a, a much older generation. And in your last few years of coaching, I imagine you were dealing with, you know, again, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds. The generational differences have always been a feature in how you have built the relationships and the rapport with your team and how you brought your teams together. Talk about, you know, from your most recent times, um, I am talking to someone who has different values than I do, uh, who is not going to respond to a Bobby Knight throwing a chair at him or her. So talk a bit about how you navigated that generational difference. That's a great question because, you know, early on in my career, you know, that back then, you know, Bobby Knight was one of the kind of the models because he had had quite a bit of success. If you look just at winning games, right. And he won a few national championships. Uh, and early on, I was never to the degree of Bobby Knight, but the, you know, there was kind of that mindset, you know, that do it my way or the highway type thing. But as I, I really gained perspective and really continue to study leadership, I realized that, you know, what you see, hear a lot about is, you know, the servant model of, of leadership where, you know, I'm really trying to do something to, I think servant leadership means that I'm finding ways to serve the people I'm working with and to develop them as leaders, you know, this, uh, empower them, delegate them. And so I think it's really important uh, as far as you continually to grow yourself first a leader and be in touch with things. A great example, at the end of my career, cell phones were extremely prevalent in something that was a, it could be a challenge at times. Now, there were some adjustments I made that were very good. For example, like um, early on, you know, I didn't want to text. Now, you know, by the end of my career, I was texting our players all the time because that was a way that was very good to communicate for those young people. Okay, so I had to buy into that was a great way. In fact, you know, because I was a big phone call guy. But a lot of times they wouldn't pick up. But if I text, they would immediately respond to me. So, you know, those are things you had to pick up as a leader is how you can make the best connection as things change like technology. And, and then there's certainly certain standards that I still think are really important. For example, you know, when I was having a one-on-one -on -one meeting, you know, phones were away. We didn't have a phone in front of us. Uh, in fact, I, I always tell the quick story. I was over my brother's house many years ago for his daughter's graduation. And I'll never forget, Dennis, I'm walking out and, and leaving. And I said goodbye to my, my niece. And she's sitting in a room with about five of her girlfriends. And not one of them is talking. They're all on their phones. you know. And maybe they were communicating and texting each other. But it's something I just couldn't fathom. Because if I'm in a room with five people, we're talking to each other. We're not on our phones. Uh, but those are things that, you know, I think you do have to adjust. But there are certain standards I think you've got to keep the same, you know, in the fact that, you know, the power of communication is the ability to certainly be concise and share your thoughts clearly, but even more importantly is the willingness to listen and, and really get a better understanding of the young people. In my case, at the end of me, my career, you know, I'm at the end of my career, I was, you know, often 40 years older than them. So, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, again, when we think about how we go about being involved with people in our life currently, technology is a, is a huge aspect of, of living. It's talked about, I have one of my previous guests is, runs a very big engineering construction management firm, and he talked about how, how important and how, uh, how vital and how, how increasingly integrated technology is into, into every facet of the business of building. But he made it very, made it very clear uh, that all that technology will never replace people. And you've heard me say, and, you've, and I know you read my book, and you may remember me saying this idea that, uh, that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your business is, whether it's construction, whether you're a doctor, basketball coach, non-for-profit uh, enterprise, whatever it is. One thing that all of those have in common is that they serve people. So it's not a stretch to say that, you know, that every business, even if it's a product that gets dropped on a, you know, on the front porch of a house delivered by Amazon, every, every business, every enterprise is a service business. And so uh, when you talk about evolving from uh, not necessarily the, the, the chair throwing, but the strong personality or style mm-hmm. of my way or the highway and evolving that to accommodate and to bridge between your generation and another generation that's all the kind of necessary adjustment we need to make in terms of how we do the things we do. You know, how, how are we when we're interacting with those, those, those freshmen on the basketball team as opposed to the seniors on the basketball team? Or, again, the apprentice on a construction crew versus the foreman of the construction crew. You know, all that comes into play. So at the end of the day, it occurs to me to say that uh, I like the idea of saying that every business is a service business. But I, but I also, I think I can also give a nod to, to you from your profession and to say that every, every, every endeavor that involves people is a team sport. Some people will say, well, you know, but I, I, you know, I, I, you know I, I play golf, so I'm not really on a team, you know, so I, I compete against other people. Well, and then you hear them increasingly talk about, well, they've got this person that manages that and they've got this person handles that and they've got their meditation coach and this, co-, you know, so there's the team. Uh, you know, and uh, and those people on that team all serve that enterprise, which is the player. There's a bunch of ways to think about all this, and and so I want to transition into kind of the, a little heavier portion of this conversation I wanted to have with you. And you'll remember from the summit because I know you sat in, and listened to all the other conversations that we talked about love, and we talked about you know love, and in, in and I think about it in, the, in a very simple way a way that I, that I got from the, the teachings of my mentor, where he talks about love as not just an emotion, because it is, and you know, the lovey-dovey, kissy-kissy, you know, everybody gets that part, but the role that it plays in producing energy into getting people excited about something. So talk about what your view of what love has meant in your journey, both as a coach and now uh, as you go out to motivate and inspire people. Well, you know, as I got older, I, I believe I got wiser, Dennis, and part of the wisdom was really realizing that love is so important, not just, you know, to the close family members, but love, you know, because there's a lot of little different definitions, but, you know, like you can love the game of basketball or you can love, you know, building buildings, you know, I mean, there there's that part of love, but there's uh, the people always going to appreciate when they know uh, whether you want to say it's the word love or, or, you know, that you care very deeply about them. And the old adage that, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I, I really try to live by that slogan. 
as best I could every day. Because if you, if people don't think that you care and you really love them, you're not going to get the best out of them because they just, they feel like they're, you know, you as you said earlier, and I agree hundred percent, it's people and people want to know that you care about them, that you uh, want to see them succeed. And I think one thing I'll share with, uh, is important in leadership is that when you can learn how to shine the light on the people on your team, that's when you really, to me, become a leader. When you really understand it's not about you, it's about the people on your team. And that's, a, you know, I mentioned that earlier when our discussion is that's a tough transition for people when they first get into leadership because they were an individual achiever and a lot of them did extremely well. But it is definitely a different mindset. And if you don't have that mindset that I'm going to help these people achieve and be great and that and then you got the you know the famous synchronicity where you synchronize which is you know meaning that the sum is greater than the uh, the parts then you really got something special when they believe in each other they believe in you as a leader because they know that you built a culture where they can trust you and they know that you care about them uh, you know, I always say, because uh, I, w- I wanted to share one thing, you know, I've been blessed to be able to speak to a lot of different groups. I've spoke to a few construction companies. And one of my greatest thrills in speaking is I did a leadership talk. And, you know, I've never been uh, part of a construction crew. And yet the fundamentals of leadership, I remember, uh, you know, it was it was like 50 and they were mostly male. There was a few females and there were mid-level majors at a big construction company. And they were so touched. They gave me a standing ovation. And that really touched my heart because I'm like, you know, I was not in the construction industry, but I am in the leadership industry. And I think that's something that, you know, people can really uh, help people with is uh, no matter what industry, uh, there are some certain fundamentals you need to be if you're going to be a successful leader. Yeah. And, and you articulate them so well. The first thought that I had when the pandemic just shut us down. And it was early March, was it uh, 2019, 2020? And the first thing I, that I thought of is, uh, is what's the most important thing for a leader to do? And my answer, and I recorded a, a very, very pedestrian quality video that I put up on my website. And, and the answer to the question was that they have to show the people they lead that they care about them. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, I, and I said, that's it. That's all they have to do right now. Uh, so you mentioned it twice. Uh, so, uh, you know, when you mention it twice, it, you, you know, it's ingrained in, in, in the psychology of thinking about how do I relate to people? And I also liked your phrase about they don't care about my, how much you know until they, until they know how much you care. I think I may have said that roughly, but that, I mean, that's such, such a powerful, simple thought. And it reminds me to say that this conversation is just full of simple thoughts. Yep. And we've spoken to them for years. We, we stand in front of people and try to get them to hear us, not simply to hear us, but to listen. And, and, and you articulated that notion of how important listening is. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talk about communication as a vital skill, I talk about it as being the ultimate core competency. If you can't do it, if you don't know what talking and, and listening are all about and do them well every day and try to get better at it every day as a leader, you're not going to quite make it there. You're going yeah. to be kind of just grabbing onto the edge and hoping that people don't realize that you're just not saying what you be, need to be saying or the way you need to be saying it. Uh, and you know it, but you know, I'm just going to fake it till I make it. <laughs> 
and that and that erodes the whole notion of again one of the things that I want to highlight that you said, and this whole idea of trust. Again, you know, in soft to steel, the number one quality from the survey that I did was trustworthy, being worthy of trust. Whether you're the coach of a basketball team, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you know, it just as as the enterprise gets bigger, the challenge gets bigger. How do you earn the trust of the people that you work for in a company that employs hundreds of thousands of people? Yeah. What are your thoughts about that whole idea of, you know, it's one thing to try to, to get all the right ingredients, again, the soft skills that convey to people through your words and your actions in a small world. But if you've got the big W world, the huge world, how, does, how do you do it? I think the huge important thing is that we used to share this every single day. I share it with my son. I share it with our players pretty much every day that you are always on stage. But when I shared that with them, I was also reminding me as the leader that they are always watching you. And that's the one thing, you know, you talk about a worldview is that uh, I'll give you a little illustration. Uh, my last 23 years in coaching, I got challenged by a mentor. He said, Jim, you know, I know you've told me about that you want to be a great role model. And I said, yes, it's really important to me. And he said, I'm going to challenge you this year. Uh, yeah, I know you're not a big drinker. But I'm going to challenge you to t- get in front of all your parents and players after you choose the teams and tell them that you're not going to drink alcohol during the season. Now, that's something you know you don't have to do, right? Because, you know, I, I'm old enough to drink legally. But, you know, it's something I was really big with my players that I didn't want them. Uh, you know, that obviously it wasn't legal for them, but also it would be a detriment to their health and, you know, trying to get them, them to be the best they could be. So I did it. And the crazy thing is, Dennis, in those last 23 years, we never had another losing season. <laughs> we, we ended up winning a lot of championships. You know, and I, but I, I really, what, what I'm really sharing to everybody is that living that, you know, insane, because I've, I've shared this a lot of times with, how about if I got in front of a group of parents and players and said, you know what, I'm not going to drink alcohol during the season. Then two weeks later, I get pulled over for a DWI. What do you think that would have done to the trust of our organization? It would have shattered it. And and for that team, I don't think you'd ever get it back. And it would probably take years if they allowed you to stay on to to lead, you know, after getting a DWI. It would take a long time to repair that damage because you didn't, not only did you not align your words and actions, but you made a really bold statement by saying you're not going to drink alcohol. And then to to go against that, uh, boy, you, you're just shattering that. So I think that the thing that I just really want to emphasize on that answer to that question is that you th- have to think all the time about are you aligning your words and actions? Are you the same person on stage as you are off stage? Uh, you know, because if you talk about, you know, how to be cool under pressure and then somebody sees you in a supermarket arguing with, the, you know, the someone, the, the cashier or whatever, you know, you, again, you're mixing those messages. And anytime people see you where you're not consistent with what you try to share with them, um, that's going to really hinder your leadership ability. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So last topic or question area. Um, our time is almost up. This is this is a. Uh, I think I made these things too short, but there, I was. Somebody told me if you make them longer than thirty minutes, then then people may not listen to the whole thing. So I don't want to miss a word. Um, but I want I want I want to get your thoughts on two of the 
two of the four elements that that uh, the Soft to Steel Summit addressed, and we've touched on one because I mentioned that you've you've mentioned the word inclusion twice, mm-hmm. um, and the other the other uh, the other topic was social justice, and, and they're very related, mm-hmm. obviously, and very very top of mind currently. What's your view on uh, how leaders, just in general, in private organizations, public organizations, and how and why are they missing the mark? on bringing clarity to how simple the notion of everybody should be in, nobody should be out, and we ought to treat people the same way regardless of this, that, or whatever about them. How and why are they missing the mark on that, in your view? I think part of it is, you know, their foundation, how they grew up, you know, the kind of the people they associate with. If they just associated with one particular group, you know, in our case, we're both Caucasian and we just hung around Caucasian. So we didn't really get a chance to talk or meet people of a different race or, you know, sometimes gender or, or has a disability. You know, if you're not talking to those people as well and getting to know them. Because the one thing, Dennis, I really built my foundation on is that we are, we want to respect everybody, okay? And, and no matter what they look like, treat people with respect. And that, that's one of my biggest disappointments. I'm, I'm going through some leadership disappointment just overall because when we start throwing mud at each other or, you know, we – it's, you know, you could share something with me and I may disagree, but I'm going to respectfully disagree. I'm not going to say, you know, Dennis, you're a complete idiot. That's not right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, you know, Dennis, I don't see it that way. Um, here's my reasoning. And again, you may not agree with me, but I think when we lose that respect, then it really hurts because, you know, whether you have a different color of skin or a different gender or you have a different challenge or a different race, um, you know what? We're people. And that's something that we always got to go back to is treat all people with respect. And then I, I can look at this. I'll add one last thing is you can look at this two ways. When I was looking for players on the team, we were looking for certain ingredients. You know, we obviously wanted kids that had ability in basketball because we're a basketball team. But we also wanted what we called we over me guys. We wanted people that had passion for the game of basketball. And we wanted people to have what we call the canai. They were constant and never-ending improvement. They were open to being coached. And you know what? That's what we were looking for. Not whether he was white, black, red, green, five foot six or six foot eight. Okay. We were looking for those ingredients. And if we got those, those people right, you know, the old uh, Jim Collins book, Good to Great, is, you know, two huge things you got to do in, in leadership is getting the right people on your team. That who is so important. And then also getting them in the right seats. You know, in basketball, that was called their role. You know, and them, you you as a leader sharing their role and them embracing their role. And again, it really had nothing to do, um, you know, whether they were a freshman or a senior. It didn't have anything to do with they were white or black. It had to do with, you know, uh, my evaluation with my staff and sharing that with them, but also getting feedback for, for them. Uh, you know, I often say when you're working with a team, most teams have team goals, right? And we set our team goals and they were written down and everybody had a copy. But I think a mistake leaders make is they don't get clarity of what the individual goals are. 
in how they can meld those in making the team successful. And that's something that, so I had team meetings about team goals, but we had individual meetings. I wanted their individual goals in, in figuring out how their individual goals could meld in the team goals and fitting their particular role to help our team be successful. Yeah, that's such a sensible way of going about it. It flies in the face of uh, one of the uh, beliefs that some leaders that I use, I'll use the wording of, my, again, my mentor, Steve Farber, who describes some leaders as being posers. They've got the title, they got the position, they may have the power. Are they really leaders? Real leaders understand things like clarity of, of purpose, clarity of mission, respect, caring, those kinds of things. And, and, and I, I wrap it up by saying that, that leaders don't talk about leadership. They just lead. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. So, Jim, our time is up. Okay. The battery is going to go dead. <laughs> this conversation is, is a gift I hope will be shared with lots of folks. Dennis, it was uh, great to uh, see you again, and uh, I enjoyed uh, talking. It was great to uh, catch up. And uh, if I can help anyone in your audience, uh, you know, uh, my website is coachjimjohnson.com. I've got a lot of free stuff as well as, you know, information about my presentation. So if I can ever, ever help somebody, um, feel free to look me up. So Good. Make sure the audience heard that. That's coachjimjohnson.com is the place to find Jim uh, and his resources and uh his story. And, and again, the J-Max story is, uh, is something which is, which added the flavor of notoriety to you, but it is your wisdom, your understanding, and your ability to deliver the message that has sustained you as a highly sought after motivational speaker. I feel like I've gotten a gift just to get to know you. So thanks very much for being with me. Thank you. I feel the same way, Dennis. Uh, you got a special place in my heart. So I appreciate you very much. Thanks coach. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Softest Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Softest Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.